What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another Scale Riders podcast episode. We are at number 183. I am your host, 65 Lokes, covering model car culture from around the world. Excited for this episode. First time guest on the show. His name is David Champion. You guys know him on Instagram as Deluxe Model Body Works, based out of Southern California. Very excited. Was blown away. First time I saw his models at the Cadillac Fest back in like 2017. He had a huge display, and there's just so much history, uh, you know, things just going back that I want to ask him regarding model building. So let's just go right ahead and get things started. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. Hello. Hey, what's up, David? How you doing? Welcome to the podcast. Ah, thank you. I'm doing good. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Yeah, you know, I've been uh, looking forward to uh, having you on on this episode. There's a lot of uh, various things I want to bring up, you know, everything related model building for sure. And, um, you know, one of the things I want to start off with is Cadillacs. You know, I want to know, you know, like, what's your love for Cadillacs, man? Because when I think of Cadillacs and I see the models, I always think of you. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah, um... Yeah, it started with my dad. That's the only kind of car he drove. Um, he started off with a um, 56 Cadillac um, Sedan Deville, pink with a white top. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, um, and it just it just took off from there, man. That's crazy. So. So when you were a kid, you you'd be excited to just be cruising around with your dad in the Cadillac. Yeah, um, he uh, used to work for the city of Long Beach, and um, a lot of the guys that worked there also had Cadillacs. Oh, nice. And and during that time, were you already like getting into model building, or not yet? That wasn't even a thing yet. Oh yeah, um, I got my first model at five years old. Oh wow! Yeah, um, I believe it was a '59 Impala. I um, found it at um, the Salvation Army, and I think I paid like fifty cents for it. I think. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, it had parts missing and everything. And mm-hmm. at the time that I got it, being so young, I didn't think about looking all over the place for the rest of the parts for it. And um, it came about maybe a year couple of years later and even that late in the day i went back to the salvation army and actually found some of the parts that went to the car oh wow they, that's cool that they still had some that you were able to find that there yeah it was amazing <laughs> man that's a trip so from the age of five um you know and you're still doing it now that's that's so dope you know it's it's obviously something that's part of your life model building Oh, most definitely. It um it just came from a love of cars and um and of course when you get older you can't have every car that you want. Mm-hmm. So the model cars kind of fill that void. Yeah. Yeah, I see. Yeah, especially like now how ex- you know all the value of all those cars from back then have gone up. Oh my goodness, they've gone up so much. Um, shoot, um, I paid, well, my first, my first Cadillac was a, um, 
was it the severe? No, my father gave me a um, a '66 Cadillac uh, Sedan Deville when I was 16, and um, um, the car had stopped running and nobody could figure out what was wrong with it. So I ended up having to sell it. Mm-hmm. Do you regret doing that? Yeah, kind of. I mean, especially since um, we sold it to a um, to a junkyard or something like that. And like a week later, we see the car going down the street. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> they figured it so out. Whatever, yeah, whatever it is, it, it, it must have been something simple, um, you know, to get it up and going that quick. My mother and I were walking down the street and we looked and we like, oh man. I'm like, that's our old car. And she's like, how do you know it's so many of them made? Mm-hmm. And the reason I knew because um we w- had taken that car to the car wash one day and it um they used to have a chain that pulled the car through the car wash and the chain snapped, the car got off the track and made a um a nice neat dent right behind the um, passenger side um, fender well. And my father never got it fixed. And that's how I identified the car. Yeah. Wow. That's a trip that you, <laughs> that you experienced that there. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy, man. And, and you know, it, it's a trip because with Cadillacs, I mean, there's, there's so many made and obviously like throughout the years, they've changed like the body shape. And oh yeah. What's what would you say is like a year or or you know like or I don't know an era or a time you know that you like the body shape? Um I would say my favorite ones were from um were between 1965 and uh 1970. They nice. seem to be the they seem to be the the perfect size and shape for those times. And they just, um, they just seem to get bigger and bigger after that to me. I mean, the 59 was pretty, pretty big car, but I really didn't, um, I really didn't care for the fins on those, but, um, it's not that I didn't like the ones that came after that. They were all beautiful cars too. Yeah. But, um, but from, uh, 65 to, I think I said 70 were my favorite years. Yeah. And as far as like the styles, I mean, they look really beautiful, just stock. But then you also have, you know, some people that will low edit some and then some that do custom builds. Mm -hmm. Is there, do you have like uh, an appreciation for all the, those different styles or, or is there one particular style you like the most? Well, I, I love to see them as low riders. That's my thing. Um, and for some of the other cars, um, um, like say from um, from seventy one to seventy six, I like to see those on um, on pretty basically your stock uh, size tires with uh, spokes and type nice wheels on them. I think they look really good fixed up that way. Oh, can you hear me? It kind of cut out right there. Yeah, I have to plug my phone into the charger. Oh, cool, cool. No, it's all good. I can hear you now. Good. 
the call and I messed around and forgot. Today was my daughter's birthday and we had people over. Oh, nice. A happy birthday to her. Yep, she turned 12. Oh, 12 nice. That's cool. Yeah, yeah my, uh, my daughter just uh, turned two last month and I'm in, <laughs> she just started daycare like uh, yesterday. So it was oh, uh, cool. it, for, first, first baby right here for me. So, oh, okay. so this is all this is all new <laughs> new to me, you know. <laughs> and uh, but it, but it's cool. I, I I love it. Love having a daughter. Yeah, I have two daughters and a son. The other two are all grown up. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So now you you have like all this. Do you have all this time now to model build? Yeah. Um. She she kind of keeps me busy though. Still only being twelve. Mm-hmm. Still having to take her to school and pick her up and all the other stuff that comes with that. Yeah, I am retired, so I have um I have that much more time as well. Oh, that's awesome! So when like that day came to retirement, was it a like a hard transition for you? Like just to you know wake up and then you go, wow, I don't have to go to work today, or were you kind of just already waiting for that time to come? Well, actually, I wasn't ready to retire when it happened. I um, I had a slip and fall in my kitchen, and I um, I messed up my shoulder pretty badly. And oh. you can't really um, continue driving buses and having all the responsibilities come with that with a messed up shoulder. Mm-hmm. I had to actually have a shoulder replacement. Wow. So, so you pretty much, when that happened... It was like the retirement had to just come earlier. Yeah, um, I guess it wasn't so bad, but because I, I, I had 28 years in and um, I had intended on doing like maybe maybe two to five more mm-hmm. before the accident happened. And it, it just didn't pan out that way. So I hadn't um, I hadn't really made any plans for for retirement as far as. Um, if I was going to get another job after and maybe do a part-time thing or anything, this accident just happened and it just kind of threw a wrench in, in what my plans were for re- actually retiring when mm-hmm. I wanted to. But um, they told me with my injury, there were only two things, um, only two choices I had, and that was to um, actually be fired or retire. Yeah, dang. Yeah, that's so, a tough one, but yeah, they're the retired. Probably the best, better way to go, right? Yeah, that's what I figured. I mean, um, I didn't have to deal with all the other hassle and um, actually having a firing, another firing on my record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Because I got fired once before from a um, job from an insurance company that it wasn't really my fault. It was a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of racial politics involved. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, dang. Yeah, that's tough. And like, I mean, you know, when you recover from that shoulder, and now it's like, all right, you have to accept. Like, all right, you know, what's done is done. Retirement's here. You know, did you just get back at model building right when you were recovered? Well, actually, um, even though it was pretty hard to do. With an injury, I continued model building. 
even though my shoulder was really messed up badly. Um, of course, um, after the surgery, I, I was like a couple of weeks or I think maybe even a couple of months before I could actually get back in here and be able to maneuver this arm without causing pain because from the time I had that um, that fall, I have not been out of pain. Yeah, and that's been that was at the end of of '09, I believe it was. And I haven't um, I haven't been completely out of pain in this shoulder since then. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Though it was hard to build, I um, I still had that. Um, that feel to want to do it so i was in here trying <laughs> yeah no yeah it's it's you know it's it's crazy because family a lot of times will say like look don't do nothing just chill recover but you know we don't listen we want to go out we want to do stuff we want to still like stay active yeah i wasn't supposed to be driving as soon as i did as soon as i was either from the accident but <laughs> i have to um i had to make moves and a lot of things have to be done that I can really have people driving me around. So I have to get out and do it on my own. Yeah. No, yeah. You have to handle that right there. And yeah. And for model building, like when you were a kid, when you started, did you ever take a break at some point during your life? Like, you know, not building for a while or has this been just something you've just been building yearly? Well, when I turned, um, I think it was when I turned 20, I stopped. I completely stopped and I gave all my um all my built cars to this kid. I seen coming up the street and um I gave him it's a huge box full of built models that I handed to him and he was happy as can be. And I believe from from twenty I would say till about maybe twenty six or twenty seven. Um, I wasn't building. And then when I did start again, I started um, building Volkswagens. And that's um, that's all I built for a couple of years. And then I stopped again. And it wasn't until, um, um, let's see, what year was that? 1990? Uh, Christmas time was coming around and I was out looking for gifts. <laughs> And I was in a Ross or something like that and came across a um a 67 Impala model kit. And um hadn't seen one of the while, so I went ahead and picked it up and brought it home thinking I'd give it to somebody for Christmas without a clue of who. <laughs> and um the funny thing is I went um I went to work one day and this guy that I was kind of friends with at the job. I've been friends with him for years and um he had this little box i'm like hey man what's in that box <laughs> and he opened up the box and he pulled out a um i believe it was a buick regal the um you know the grand national mm-hmm. he pulls that out of the box and i'm like oh it's a model Dang. and he's like yeah he said he's like me and my brother been building models for years i'm like i used to build those <laughs> and um he let me see it, and I looked around. He had opened the doors on it and everything. I'm like, man, this is pretty cool. So I went back home um, 
that next day, I believe it was, and I grabbed that 67 out the closet. And I opened it up just to see what it looked like. And I took it out of a little plastic bag that was in. And I got to turn it around, looking at it and touching that body. And it was like, I don't know what it was at that moment. I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I think I'm going to build this. And then um, my wife saw my interest in it. And um, she bought me a 65 Impala, the lowrider kit and a 76 Caprice. And that's that's how I got back in it, uh, seeing him at work with that model. And um, having that 67 at home, that's what got the whole ball rolling again. Man, that's tight. <laughs> that was then, so cool. Then he introduces me to his brother, and now me and him are, are better friends and um, build-up models than I started with the guy I worked with, his twin brother. <laughs> and um we we um we've been at it since then i haven't stopped since well there was um okay there was a time that i had to stop again because we moved out of this apartment that i was that we were living in into a house <clears throat> and um it took a while to get this room set up and i took about maybe six months to get it set up again and then um then I had my daughter, and then she needed the room. So I was moved out of here, and all my stuff packed up in the garage. So then I decided to um, to build a space in the garage, and I was building out of the garage for a while. And um, after that, uh, my son moved out. We moved my daughter into the room that he was in, which was a bigger room. And then I moved back in here, and that took a few years. So I I had been out of the building for a while, but I'm telling you, all that time I was out, it was on my mind. Wow, nah, so, man, that that's well, that's crazy, and I, I can I can only imagine. Yeah, because um, building outside in that garage was miserable. I mean, in the summertime, it got really hot, and they just had the one garage door to move cars in and out of. Didn't have a little side door, no windows or anything in it. And um, I had had um, electrical moved over to the side of the garage where I needed it. And then in the wintertime, it was cold. And plus, you know, being out in the garage, you know, you got mice running around out there. You keep them down as best you can, but you are out in their environment being outside, really. So they're running around the garage and things are moving around in there. And I'm like, man, I got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so much going on. You're like, what the hell? I'm just trying to build. Yeah, bugs flying in there and getting all in my pain and stuff. I'm like, oh, man, this is miserable. <laughs> yeah, I think at that point you realize how important it is to have like a really like the, just a private space to not be yeah. bothered. Most definitely. Man. Yeah. It was, just, it was just miserable outside when I moved back in here it was all good. Yeah. And, and the, uh, like the guy that you met at work, the model building, do you know if he still builds or his brother are still building till this day? Um, me, his, his brother just left here a little while ago. Oh, dope. And, um, as a matter of fact, he picked up some, um, some cars I did some custom work for him on. He um 
he's he's a um impala caprice type of guy. Okay, nice. Some nice he choices. Does, yeah. He does other things, but that's his stronghold like I am with the caddies. Mm-hmm. And um what I've been doing is I converted a series of cars for him that never existed. Um, the first one was a, a 71, a 71 um, Impala that he wanted a glass house top on. So, you know, glass houses only run from 74 to 76. So the um, the cars that came before that in the same, pretty much same body style, the 71, 2, and 3 was before the glass house era. So what I did was I took the top from 76 glass houses and transferred them, transferred them onto a um, to a 71 first, then the 73, and um, just yesterday I finished up his 72. So he has um, 71, two and three glass houses that never existed. Crazy, and it's like a it's like a one of a kind piece that you made them right there for those yeah. years. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> oh, I just lost my thought. And are are you gonna do more for him, or is it just is he just trying to kind of complete those years for those glass houses? Yeah, um, that's pretty much gonna be it for that, I believe. But um, myself, I'm gonna do um, I'm gonna do a seventy. I'm gonna turn a seventy Impala or Caprice into a glass house. Oh, that'd be dope. Yeah, he says he wants one too, so we'll see if he wants one. I'll make him one of those too. Yeah, and and like as far as you being into the Cadillacs, you know, when you know, like sticking to to a car, we say, all right, this is this is the my my car's right here. Do you start to kind of dive deeper into like the history? of caddies and then also kind of go on this like hunt for, you know, promos, maybe, you know, resin bodies, you know, just like a grand variety of the Cadillacs that are offered. Oh yeah. I've done that. Um, um, when you ask me what my favorite year of caddy was, um, you said a specific body style and I named the ones I named to you. Mm-hmm. My all-time favorite is the uh, 1948-60 series. It's just a, a beautiful, fat-fendered car. And um, they only did that body style for, like, maybe two years. Um, 50, no, 48 and 49. Yeah, 48 and 49. <clears throat> were the only two years for that um for that body style and man i'll tell you that's a pretty car yeah and but, do they have that in, in a kit as well do they offer oh, that man i wish oh, i man. would but there is good news um with the uh with this new era of 3d printing Ooh, okay yes sir um <laughs> <laughs> hopefully um and i and i just um met this um uh, this new guy friend of mine named Eric DeGray. He um he he does a lot of 3D printing. I believe you've done a, a podcast with him too. And um hopefully he can find a file or get somebody to um to make a file for that car. 
because I would really like to have that as a model. Yeah, that'd be nice, man. I you know, I hope I hope you can get that. Somebody can make that for you. Yeah. No, I'll never put my hands on a real one of my own. <laughs> <laughs> there um even the raggedy beat up ones that you might come across are very expensive. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine the restoration of one of those would be very expensive too. Oh yeah. No, I bet. And, and like with the models, you know, referencing, do you own a lot of like promos, Cadillac promos? Um, I can't say I have a lot of uh, promos. I did at one time. And, um, my whole thing about the, the Cadillacs and, um, the promos, I still have the first one I ever bought. It was a 77, uh, Coupe de Ville by Johan. And I paid 150 for that back in the day. And I still have it. I just took it down the other day and looked at it. Um, I don't have a lot of promos. And the resin ones that I do have, they're, um, most of those are big bodies. I got um, I got maybe seven or eight uh, different varieties of those from um, limousines to two doors and hearses. And now, like I just mentioned, with the 3D, with the 3D printing uh, phase that we're in now, I was able to get my hands on a um, on a 76 Fleetwood, a 71 Fleetwood, and a um, a 71 two door, which is something you're not going to get in the kit. Um, they're not even well. There's a resin of the 76. I actually mastered one myself. And had it casted, but it's nothing near what this 3D printing stuff is today. I see a lot of flaws and mistakes and things I missed in in the one that I mastered. Man. So, um, 3D um, 3D printing is is bringing forth a lot of um, a lot of cards that we weren't able to get even in resin. Mm -hmm. They're just a hassle to deal with, but you get past that. Yeah, because it, it seems like with, uh, you know, like with resin, it, there's just a lot of manual labor, hands-on. Oh, most definitely. And if you think resin was hard to deal with, man, these 3D printed bodies, they have etch patterns from um, from where the uh, 3D printer stacked the material to create them. Mm -hmm. So all that has to be sanded out. Um, sometimes there's feeling to do, I mean... I got to the point where I'd rather deal with a resin than deal with the 3D printing. You know, yeah, resin, yeah. resin has its challenges. Mm -hmm. It um, it takes twice as long to um, to get one of those built than a plastic car. Yeah, and like you got to put in that work on that sanding. Oh yeah, you got holes, um, pinholes to fill, and I have ones that actually didn't um, that the mold didn't fill through. That I have to actually, um, that I have to actually um, fill in those areas with um, with styrene, and um, I work with. Um, I don't know if I mentioned. No, we didn't mention this. I work with. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of Airtrax resins. No, I haven't. Um, they're out of uh, Finland. 
and I went out to NNL East and um, I met this guy named Tapani. And um, we've been friends ever since. I bought a couple of things. He had a Cordoba, a 76 Cordoba, which was my holy grail of model cars. And um, I've been working with them. I'm, I'm their uh, U.S. distributor. Oh, nice. Yeah, so um, that in, in, in and of itself is a whole nother story. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. And, you know, earlier you brought up uh, Johan, like the kits. You know, t- yeah. so, tell me, you know, because I don't really know much of it. I just, all I know is that, you know, when I see those kits at like a show, they go for a lot of money. And, yes. and I do see people buy them. You know, it's not like no one's buying. People are buying them, and they're they're paying. But I really don't know much of the history of of that. You know, of that brand. You know, because mm-hmm. by the time you know I was getting into model, I wasn't seeing any anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, like, what what recollection do you have of that brand from when it was in its existence back then? Primarily, um, Johan. Um... What they did was they um, they built model cars for dealerships. That's why they're called dealer promos. And, um, and I, I guess you know that promo stands for promotional. Yes. And when you go back in the day when I was a kid, you would go to a car lot and your parents were going to buy a car. If they bought a new car, they would have a, um, a dealer's promo. promo. And... Um, it was just basically a replica of a real car. Um, <clears throat> um, and they used to give those away to the kids, especially when, um, you know, you come in a dealership, you got your kids with you, you buy a car, you know, it's something for the kids too. Yeah. Get, get them excited. Probably seal the deal on that sale. <laughs> right. And, uh, Johan just didn't make Cadillacs. They made a lot of other different, um, uh, different types of cars for just about every dealership you can think of for American cars. And um, as they kind of moved away from um, from giving those out at the dealership, the company went on and, and um, they actually have some kits too, but the kits are basically a dealer promo that you have to put together. Very simple. Um, much simpler than even a snap type car would be to put together. Wow. And um, once Johan went out of business, I don't remember the year it was, but once they went out of business, those cars became more expensive and more hard to find because they didn't make them anymore. But they made a ton of them, and they were out there for a while. And as the, um, as the supply started to dry up, the prices went up, as you would um what you would expect to happen yeah so they also um when they got kind of got away from like the dealerships and they were just producing the kits these were the kits that were being sold you know at retail like at stores yeah um um you mostly find them in hobby shops okay you wouldn't just find them at um at say uh 50 or save on like you would model other model car kits but um, you you will mostly have to find them at um, at hobby shops and mostly at um, at shows. Yeah, 
there there was a I remember those there's a hobby store uh, I believe I don't know if you've been there you probably have the Smith Brothers that's in the valley. Ah, oh, you telling me something new right now, I man? I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, Smith Brothers, and I remember I remember one time uh, going there, you know, and I I got some they had some models there, uh, Revell MT stuff, and I remember, uh, you know, Chevy man Juan. He uh, yeah. giving giving me the heads up, giving like everybody the heads up, like, hey, um, they just acquired a collection, you know, from I guess you know someone had passed away, and like the wife's like, I need help getting rid of all these models, yeah, and they they brought them all there, and so the sort of they bought them all, but they were bringing them out little by little because there were so many kits, so like mm -hmm. I guess I don't know if it was like every other day they would just pull stuff out. And and, uh -huh. and put it in the area where it was like, all right, these are marked down like five, ten bucks, fifteen bucks, open kits. Wow. And if there was something missing, either the hood or or the wheels or the tires, they would put a little paper telling you. But I remember him giving yeah. giving us a heads up, like, hey, there's there's uh I went in there and they have a bunch of stuff. And I asked, like, what would you guys get this? And they just told me. So they said that to keep just checking back every so often because they're gonna be bringing out stuff. And I remember mm -hmm. at that time, um, I believe I was out living in, in Oxnard. So I made that drive. It was um, it was like passing Northridge. And oh, I, I get there and I check it out. And yeah, I picked up some kits, you know, um, mm -hmm. open box stuff, five, ten bucks. And then right when I see the, the glass counter, I could see they had about like maybe four or five different like Johan kits. Ah. But they had them behind the counter, you know. Um, and when yeah. I when I saw those, I mean, you could see the the artwork, really beautiful, like vintage artwork on the boxes. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. the, the the logo stood out, and and I was just like, man, like I don't even want to ask how much those are. I know for sure those they're probably saying those for a lot, you know. And yeah. there was, I guess, there was a lot of different things that that they had there. I don't know. I can't remember what year, but I remember, um, you know, some. I didn't get to see it, but someone, one of my friends, saying like, "Oh, I, I got a Riviera from there too," and I was uh -huh. like, "Dang!" And it, it was just, you know, a time went on, and then we would come check back, and then little by little stuff, it was just gone by that like later. Oh yeah, people are just coming through and copying stuff. Yeah, I had a um a hobby shop like that um uh um that I found when I started building, it was called Model Mania. It was right here in Long Beach. And he used to buy collections from um, from the same type thing that you mentioned. And he just have stacks and stacks of models. And some days I'd help him, um, you know, help him go through them and try to find out what was missing and what wasn't. And before he uh, put them out on the floor for sale, and I would end up with a lot of good stuff <laughs> just for helping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He even helped me out um, when I, I had my own um, model shop um, for a little while until um, until I got set up and some guys broke in there and stole all my stuff. Oh, man. I, I didn't know that. Tell me about that. Like, when what year was this when you had a model shop? Uh, this was like an 01 or 02. And oh, wow. what happened was um, I ran across... A buddy of mine that I hadn't um that I grew up with actually and I hadn't seen him for years. And um 
we're talking and stuff. He's like, well, what do you, what have you been doing with your life? What, what hobbies do you have? He's like, what do you do? He's like, what have you been doing? I'm like, well, my hobby is um, building model cars. He's like, oh, really? He's like, I didn't know, um, I didn't know they still have model cars. I'm like, oh yeah, they never stopped making them. He's like, so you build these things? I'm like, yeah. So I picked, um, um, pulled my phone out and I showed him, um, some of the cars that I was had built and was building and was building for other people at the time too. He's like, oh man, he's like, those are great. He's like, do you actually sell them? He's like, what do you do with them after you build them? I'm like, I put them in my cabinet and, and just enjoy looking at them over and over again. He's like, and you sell them sometimes? I'm like, yeah, I, I got, um, I got people that I build for. And he's like, um, he's like, um, have you ever thought of opening up your own store? I'm like, you know, I have thought about it. And he's like, I, I own this beauty salon. And he's like, I have a, a nice size office with sliding patio doors on it. He's like, if you ever think you want to, um, you want to sell them or do anything like that. He's like, just let me know. He's like, I'll let you have the space. And you just give me a little bit off the top of what you make a month. I'm like, okay, cool. That sounds good. So um, I didn't take him that seriously, right? We exchanged phone numbers and the two days went by and he called me. He's like, well, Tim, what have you done to us opening up this store? I'm like, oh, are you serious about that? He's like, yeah, man, I'm serious. <laughs> he's I'm like, like, I'm waiting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. So um, he's like, we got a couple of uh, display cases in the back and um, He's like, you can come down and have a look at him. I'm like, okay. I'm like, he's like, when do you want to come? I'm like, where's good for you? He's like, you can come now if you want to. <laughs> so I, I went on down there and I looked. I'm like, oh, these are nice. And I picked out a um an eight-foot one. And the rest of them were like broken and kind of like garbage, right? So I went to looking um through this little paper they used to have back in the day called a penny saver. Oh, I remember and, that. Penny saver. Yeah. And I found two six feet, um, two six feet ones in there, and they only wanted thirty dollars for both of them. So I got my friend with a truck. We went and picked them up, and brought them down to the space, and set them in there. And then I had a, a friend from school who was a contractor. So we worked on the place for a year. Um, we uh, scraped the old ceiling down and uh, and redone the ceiling with the um, with the sparkle popcorn, as they call it. And we ripped out the carpet and um, and fixed the floors. We laid tiles in there and we painted the walls. And um, he gave me a key to the, to the door. It took about a year. And then uh, I was getting my inventory from my man at Model Mania. So um, I buy kits from him. And to stock my shelves, I bought... Um, I bought the plastic shelves from Pick and Say. <laughs> you remember Pick and Say? Oh yeah. <laughs> so I bought the plastic shelves from there, and I'd be in there working. And um, I brought all my model cars from, um, well, a lot of my model cars from home, and then I trade them out. I take those home and then bring down some new ones. And um, I have been open for maybe two. A month, a month, a good month. 
and I was making pretty good money. And um, people were in there. The, the place was full. They were buying stuff. I'm like, oh, cool. I thought I was big time making $150 the first day. <laughs> <laughs> but um, 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 a holiday was coming up. So, mind you, my my store was inside this huge um, um, beauty supply store. And they had two girls working in there. And I'd be in my little shop. And um, it's holiday coming up. And um, one of the girls told me that they were going to be closed that day. So I'm like, cool, that's no no problem. I, I got to deal with that. So um, that day comes. I get a phone call that morning from one of the girls telling me the place had been broken into. And they broke and they broke into my shop. And I'm like, you, what, you guys told me you weren't going to be open today. Oh, we changed our mind and decided to open. I'm like, well, somebody could have called me and told me, just like you making this call now. So we rushed down there. Sure enough, we get there. And like I said, it was a sliding glass door, like a patio door to my store. <laughs> but it was locked. And they just broke the glass. And they went in there. And the funny thing about it was I had some people in the shop and I told them how um, how I had die cast cars in there, too. I actually had two Lincoln limousines that I stretched. One was white and one was black. And um, they asked me how come the prices were higher on uh, on the black die cast cars than they were on the uh, on the white ones than they were the black ones. It was the same thing with the little escalates that I had up in there. And I told them because um, they made those, the white ones in lesser numbers than they did other colors. So the prices were higher on them. Um, the day the shop was broken into, I had a white uh, Lincoln limousine and a black one. The white one was gone. All the white escalates were gone. And the other ones are still sitting there. And um, I had been painting some Hondas. I painted two Honda Accord wagons and a Honda Civic. And what I had done was I put um, I put the Honda Accords in a drawer that slid under the um, under the display case, and they didn't know they was there. But when they saw me painting them that day, I was putting them up behind these uh, turntables on one of the shelves so they could dry. And they moved, you can see where they moved the turntables and stuff, took them down, laid them on the counter and stuff, looking for the Honda Accords that I painted that they saw me put behind there. It was actually somebody who had been in the store that I had actually talked to who broke in and stole my stuff. They took everything out of the eight-foot shelf. Well, no, they took everything out of the six-foot uh, cabinets and left about half the cars in the eight-foot one. And, man, there were tires and wheels and hoods and stuff laying all on the floor and stuff that they took. Yeah, that, um, that kind of broke my heart. Damn, yeah. Give me a chance to get off ground. Christmas was coming around, and people was talking about how they were coming in to buy Christmas presents and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I got a um, a call from one of the guys that hung out in the shop a lot. 
and he said somebody was selling my uh, models out of the back of a brown Escalade. Damn. Five and ten dollars each, man. And I just come from Pomona Swap Meet and put um put some Johan uh Cadillacs in there that I bought to swap meet Monte Carlos and all kinds of nice stuff. And they took all of that. And um it's funny how I was so upset that day that I'm like, okay, I'm I'm gonna open back up again. And then I decided against it. Mm-hmm. And I and I took the money that I had in my savings, and instead of buying stuff to reopen the store, <laughs> guess what? I went and bought me a Cadillac. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bought a um a '84 Coupe DeVille. Nice. And um, I was cruising around the area in that car, and I came down the street and I saw a brown Escalade parked at a T intersection. Now they knew me. The car they knew me for was my red Mustang, but somebody in that Escalade recognized me in that Cadillac. And I passed them. I didn't realize what was going what was going on until I got all the way down at the end of the block. And there was a big body Cadillac parked over on the other side of the street. And when I realized what was going on, I'm like, "Hey, that's a brown Escalade." And what were they doing at the back of it, right? So I look in my rearview mirror. And everybody that was standing down there was looking at me. They're tripping. They're like, oh, shit, he's here. If I made a left turn, I could have went a block around and came back up on him. And if I made the right turn, it would have taken me even longer to get around. So when they see my, uh, my left blanket come on, they knew I was coming back around. And by the time I made the block, they were gone. I'd never seen them again. Man, that sucks, dude. I'm sorry to hear about that. I didn't even know, you know, that. But, man, that's crazy. Years ago. Uh, yeah, how, how old were you when, when that happened? Like, when you decided to open the store and all that? Um, I think I was in my... I was in my um, mid-40s. Okay. Yeah. Nice, yeah. Damn, dude. That's... That's crazy. I, you know, you hope those things don't happen because it, it is like heartbreaking when yeah. those, when those things happen. You know, it's it sucks. I remember being a kid and experiencing like coming home uh, and someone had broken into our apartment and, oh, and and they took everything. Like the thing is, we were at one of my aunt's weddings, and uh-huh. I, I must have been like like twelve years old when this happened. And uh, uh-huh. we went to my aunt's wedding, and so happens that that day that we were at a wedding, one of the neighbors was having a house party, but not uh-huh. at night during the day, while uh-huh. while, while we were gone, and and they knew they knew we were going to be gone because they knew we were going to go to a wedding and everything, and uh, we were going to be busy. You know, no one was going to be home the whole the whole day. But you know, after like that morning ceremony. At the church, my dad's like, oh, we need to go back to the house to go get something because we forgot something. So I'm like, uh-huh. all right, cool, let's go. We're, you know, I'm, we're there at the house midday, and I open the door with the key, but then I noticed that inside the door, someone had put, remember, like, the, the chain lock with the, you could lock it with the little chain? Yeah. That was on, and I was like, why is that on there? There's no way you could, uh-huh. like, put that on, you know, like, when you're trying to leave. Right. So 
that right there. And then just from really pushing the door open, and I could see through the crack, there was a the whole house was a mess. And, oh man! And I was like, "What?" So then, um, I don't know. I was I was spooked. I didn't know what was going on. And then uh, my dad came in, and he was. I told him, "Hey, I think somebody, something happened in here because the house is a mess." And we're looking through mm -hmm. the window, and then we noticed the the back door, the sliding door was wide open. And, oh, and then we, we get back in there, dude, it was like, everything was like a mess, uh, stuff was broken, uh, like on purpose or something. I don't know. Everything, things was, it was just messy. All my mom's like things, jewelry, whatever she had was gone. Anything electronics was gone. So I remember just like, I, I think I was more worried for my mom cause she wasn't there yet. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking, damn, she's going to be so devastated when she comes home, you know? And yeah. I, I knew, like, my stuff could get replaced. Like, I had whatever, like, a Nintendo and all that stuff. I was, like, kind of, like, that stuff could get replaced. But whatever she had, I was, like, I don't think that could get replaced. Yeah. And it was just uh, a weird feeling later, like, living there, knowing that somebody came in or people came in, they did all this, they got away with it, and and not knowing, like, if they're going to come back again. Right. You know, and um, it took a while for us to like move out. Like my dad couldn't just get up and be like, all right, we're moving out. You know, it was, it was hard. So we still had yeah. to live there. And it took a long time for us to even like start getting those little things like a TV, then a stereo, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And and yeah, it, it, I, I could only imagine, too, you know, you're, you're you're starting a store, you're trying to, you know, move forward and do all these positive things and. You don't have like a, a space for people to come through and shop. And then that right. that happens. And it's just like, I don't know. It uh, it just sucks, you know, when those it's things a happen. violation of your space, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it feels very, very like uh, like weird. Like when I was living in the house, I didn't like it. I didn't like the vibe living in yeah. there, you know. That, that's why I didn't reopen that shop because I knew I'd never be comfortable in there again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because even if, if like you decided to, you know, restock and get all this stuff in, you know, it, it could probably happen again. You know, the, those people that did it, they they might want to come back. Right, and that's what made me start looking around the store, because they had an air conditioning unit in the um, in one of the windows, one of the lower windows. And um, somebody could easily kick that in. And you kick that in from the outside, you right in the shop. You know? Yeah. Dang. And then I got to thinking what, what it would cost to replace that um, replace that door or putting a stronger door up there or something. But then you got the windows on the side, too. And um, you really need to be able to see in and out of there. And... And I just thought it over. I'm like, you know what? I'm like, it, it's not going to make sense. I'm never going to be comfortable again. Every time I leave there, I'm going to think that somebody's going to break in there. And the killer thing about it is, I think one of the, one of those girls had something to do with, with it because I was set up. I know I was. Mm -hmm. um, they talking about they came and they found the... Um, the chain off of the door it had never been locked because they locked the door then they put a, a chain on the door and a padlock now how are you going to leave the store and close and forget to lock the lock mm -hmm. yeah 
And the other lock on the door, I could jimmy that myself and got in there that way. That's why he put the chain on the door. And they had a gun missing and um, and some cash that they left in the in the cash register, and a few products too. But my, um, I I believe my store suffered the biggest loss. Yeah, yeah, that was like the the, the target. Yeah, that's okay. really what they were there for. Mm-hmm. And, and I know it because because of the stuff that was missing. You know, I I actually talked to the people who broke in the in the store. Mm-hmm. They knew, yeah, they were. And yeah. they moved those expensive turntables, looking for those Hondas that I put up there. Those turntables that they moved, they was worth about sixty bucks each. And they moved them out the way to get to the car they thought I had stored back there. Well, I had, but I moved them before I left the shop that day. Dang. That's, Shoot, I can't. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I came in there and I thought they that they got the um those two cars too. And then I remembered I stashed them in that drawer under the um under one of the um display cases. And they didn't know about that. And I opened the drawer and they were still in there. And I'm like, oh, cool. At least they didn't get these. Mm-hmm. Those kids, those Hondo Court kids, um, they were $30 a piece back then. And and those were, you said they were the wagons? Yeah, Hondo Court wagons. Man. <clears throat> I still got one of them. I sold one. I still got the other. You kept the other one. Mm-hmm. Right on. And... Yeah, you know, uh, like during during that time, you know, when when you were operating, um, h- how was that? Like that you could remember, you know, having like customers come in or ask questions with models. Did you offer other services like like let's say like I'll paint your model and then you guys come build them or? Yeah, yeah, I offered that. Um, there was a lady that came in with um, with the um, I can't remember the year the Thunderbird. That she bought in, it was a um, it was a turbo coupe, and um, her husband had a real car, and he tried to build a model of it. And I don't talk about other people's bills; uh, that's not something I do. But it, it <laughs> <laughs> the exception, I think. Oh my goodness, man! <laughs> the car was in horrible shape. Dang. And yeah. um, she asked me if I could rebuild it for her. Um, she's like, he threw it up in the cabinet. He doesn't even know it's gone. And I'm like, sure. So I took it in and um, I rebuilt it. I charged her. Um, I think I charged her like sixty dollars or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I sanded all the old paint down and um, repainted it. And um, it just so happened that um, Pegasus made the rims just like the ones he had on the car. And um, she just had the rims on it that came with the kit. So I took it, I, I took the car apart, and uh, he had glue all on the uh, all on the glass and everything. And I remember wet sanding and polishing the glass. Till it looked like it was new. And I painted it, clear coated it, polished it, and put it on the new rim. 
And I called her up and I told her it was ready. Um, it took me about, it took about three weeks. I probably could have done it quicker if that was the only thing I was working on. But um, when she came back to get it, she couldn't believe it was the same car. Oh, that's tight. She thought I would actually got another car and just rebuilt it. I'm like, no, this is the same car. <laughs> Man, that's, uh, that's tight. I also did a, um, I used to work for Job Corps and I actually, I had, um, I, I taught model car building in, out of the crafts department and um, we would get kits from, um, from my man shop again and um, I helped the kids um, teach them how to paint them and all that type stuff and this one guy had heard about me and he came to me, he worked there too He's like, man, I love model cars. He's like, but I got like this, the 64 Impala and it needs to be totally redone. He's like, cause I painted it with a brush with house paint. I'm like, house paint. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. He brought, he brought it to work a couple of days later. And he wasn't lying. He had painted it with a brush with house paint. I'm like, oh my goodness. Damn, I wonder like, if somebody told him, dude, you need to get House of Color, and he just got regular <laughs> house paint. <laughs> but I uh, I took the car, and um, I just used some paint thinner. Um, I think, think paint thinner is what I used to get the paint off the car. And it was on there thick, too. And I took it all the way back down to white. And it was one of the lowrider kits that had the trunk open. And um, I'm, I asked him, what did he want done? He's like, oh, man, just totally redo it. I want new rims and everything. I'm like, cool. So um, I put him a set of uh, Pegasus spokes on there. I primed it, sanded it, repainted it, sanded it, clear coated it. <clears throat> I was using a, um, a lot of cloth at the time. Um, I was putting a lot of cloth my interiors in the cars and I painted this car um, it was a dupla color color can't remember what it was but it was it was autumn maples one of my favorite colors and um, I put the metal trim all around it and everything and um, and redid the trunk and even put some uh, hopping hydros uh, pumps in there and batteries and um, when I gave him back the car, he's like, no, man. He's like, no, are you bullshitting? I'm like, what? <laughs> he's like, this is not the same car. I'm like, yeah, that's the same car. And he took the car home, and he had his wife call me, call me at work. And she's like, Mr. Champion? I'm like, yeah. He's like, that's not the same car, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's the same car. He's like, it looks great. He's like, I can't believe you were able to do that. I'm like, hey, that's what I do. <laughs> that's tight. Um, I think I'll be charging fifty bucks too, and he um, he took two months to pay me. <laughs> <laughs> and and at that time when you were doing that, is that did you already have established? Um, Deluxe model bodyworks at that time, or or did that come later? That came much later. Um, back then, I was plastic man. 
All right. My wife made these cards for me and everything, and um, that was my um, that was kind of my nickname back then. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got it. I didn't make that up myself. Um, somebody at a show started calling me that. Like, I'm going to call you Plastic Man, and you know what to do with these models. I'm like, I just kind of laughed it off, and every time he see me, he called me Plastic Man, and, and my friend was like, who is Plastic Man? And he's like, <laughs> he's Plastic Man. So I took it and had to put on cards and everything. Do you still have um, those business cards? You know, I got a few of them, yes. I still got a few of them. Man, you got to you gotta post, take a photo, post on Instagram one day. Oh, I did. Okay, I gotta check it out. That was um, that was years ago, though. Uh huh. Well, maybe it was um, maybe about three years ago. Okay, if that long. Yeah, it must, it must be at the bottom. You know, all the posts, all the pictures. Yes, that's probably where it is. It's probably somewhere near um, the bottom. Okay. But um, the Lux Model Body Works came later. And uh, my nickname is Deluxe. So I'm like, I just, I tried a few things, nothing really stuck. And then um, I just put it all together one day and it's just Deluxe Model Body Works. I mean, it was my my nickname and what I do because I started, um, I started doing a lot of body work and stuff on cars. Something I said I would never do when I started building again. I'm like, all these dudes, they making four doors. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're making um, four doors and the two doors, and they're doing this and all this custom work. They're changing the tops on stuff. I'm like, man, I'm just going to build kits. I ain't going through all that stuff. And I wouldn't touch resin. Resin had no value to me until I learned how to... Um, until I learned how to work it. And um, that's where the body works part came in. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, because I, I um, you know, I was wondering about that, about the name. And is that just, because mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if it was just you or like a club. Because I think you have that, like, I, you have a plaque, right? Yeah. Uh, um, I can't remember the name of the guy who made it for me. Um. His last name was Avilos or something like that, but um, I saw where he was taking. Um, he had a, um, I don't know what kind of thing this was, but it um, you put a, um, you it was connected to a computer, and you type in what you wanted, I guess, and it created a program, and it was um, a laser something cutter, and he was cutting metal with it. And I'm like, hey, can you do this? And he's like, sure, man, no problem. And he had it done the next day. <laughs> Here you go. That's dope. Yeah. Same so time. he had it ready the next day. And it was here at the house maybe four days later. So um, I thought that was, I'm sitting here looking at it right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like the name of it. I like the way it sounds. You know, the, the first time I saw your, your models... Was uh-huh. at Cadillac Fest when uh, Armando and the guys from Down to Scale and everyone collaborated for the Whittier Boulevard. Yes. Display and you know around that time that was uh well like 2017 
There's still, yep. I, I remember, um, you know, that was around that, you know, I think it was, no, 2015 was when I started getting back into model building, but 2017 uh-huh. was like me going, stepping into like the, the shows, you know, like for the first time, like checking them out. And yeah. I remember just going there and like just tripping out, being blown away. I mean, everybody was like, you know, tripping out on the, on all the displays and then also, the, the table that had uh, all the cars that were competing mm-hmm. as well. But I remember uh, seeing, you know, y- your collection of cars all like on display. And one of the cars that would catch my attention was there was this one, it had like a clear hood. And uh, yeah. I, I think it had a clear trunk too, but I had never seen anything yeah. like that with clear. Yeah. And I was like, dude, this is dope. Like, this must have been a, a special kit. Like, a, a kit like that, was it sold with the clear? No. That um, that was a regular 90s Cadillac kit. And I don't know if you remember back in the day when those when those Cadillacs first came out, they were in die cast. Mm. And what happened was I had had... Um, I had quite a few of those kits. I, I still have one in the garage now. Um, that's not been touched in the box. And what ended up happening was <clears throat> I got a couple of those and I actually cut one of those into a convertible. And people thought I was crazy. I cut a, a dock-ass caddy into a convertible. And um, I ended up getting a whole bunch of those kits. People was just start giving them to me because they came out with the plastic ones soon after that. So I dismantled them for parts because the uh, interior and stuff in them were um, were plastic and the chassis was plastic. And what I ended up doing was um, later on, I say about in 2017, I bought a um, a vacuum form machine like they use the dental offices. And um, my idea was to make uh, clear hoods and trunks. Only problem was um, it used so much heat that it would melt a plastic hood that you're trying to get a copy of. And then I remembered, oh, man, I got these um, these die-cast, um, these die-cast caddies. I said, I'm going to take the hood in the trunk from one of them in the, in the machine and see what it do. If it worked out, I... They're not perfectly clear yet. The ones you've seen on that car, the best ones I, I had come out with. But um, it, they kind of blew everybody's mind when they saw it. It even blew my mind. I tripped, <laughs> I tripped when I seen it. Yeah. Um, it, when I actually did it. Mm-hmm. But um, lately I have a, a homie named Jarvis Malone. And he um, he's like, yeah, he's like, I got um I got um diecast 63, 64, and 65. He's like, if you want to take those and um and see if you can do it again, he's like, I'll bring them over. And he brought them over a couple weekends ago. I'm sitting here looking at those too. And um as soon as I get a chance and get some of these customers' cars out of here, I'm gonna uh dismantle those and get the hoods in the truck and see what I can do. But yeah, I made I made those myself. 
Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, because those stood out when I saw those. I was like, dude, I, I've never seen anything like that. And then you could see like the engine and everything in there. So that was that was crazy. And then, and I remember that day because even uh, Jarvis Malone had some models uh, on display mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. And um, yeah, it, it's crazy. And then I and then that was the that was the first time I met uh, Frankie uh, Francisco. Uh, Boulevard, yeah, Boulevard Resin. Uh, that was the first yeah. time I, I, I remember picking up like a couple of um, 65 Impala uh, wagon uh, resins. And yeah. Because the 65 Impala has always been like a favorite year of mine. And I had never seen one in a wagon. So when I saw them, he had like, a, like three of them. And I was like, all right, I got to get two. And even when I left Cadillac Fest, I regretted not buying that third one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually um I actually helped him with that car. I um he couldn't get the um the front the bumper and the grill to fit in there. And I'm the one that um that cleaned that up and made the bumper and the grill fit in those um properly. Oh nice. I, before he moved out to where he was I mean where he is now, I used to be over at his house all the time. Mm -hmm. And he he give me a lot of the um, blims that he casted, and I take them and fix them up and sell them. I don't know if you've seen the um, the '66 Caprice that he uh, offers. I um I actually mastered that car. Oh, that's tight. That's cool. So you guys used to live pretty close from each other. No, no, he um I live in Long Beach, and he lived in um. Covina. It's like an hour drive. Okay. But I take up there and we um that was my road buddy. Well he still is. We um we went all over the place, man. We do road trips. We drive five and six hours and never leave California. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I know uh I I, I was in a, I, I wanted to bring this up because I know you guys went to NNL West this year in around June. And, yeah. and I saw he he had posted about uh, what happened. There was like a like a case that flew off the car of models. Oh man, that was crazy. Yeah, tell us about that. What happened that day? Oh, that was crazy, man. We um we had the um the whole hatch area in half the back seat of his car filled with our models and stuff that he was gonna sell, and um. Henry Espinosa was in the car with us too. And he had these plastic, you know, the black plastic containers with the yellow tops. Mm -hmm. Like they're like those plastic bin. Yeah. Okay. We had like, I believe four to six of those on top of the car on a rack. And we were going down the freeway and we were laughing and talking, music was playing and stuff. And I'm like, wait, wait, hold on, turn off, turn down the music. And he's like, what's wrong, champ? I'm like, I, I thought I heard something. He's like, I don't hear anything. And I'm like, did you hear that? He's like, no, man, I don't hear nothing. And just about that time, we heard a, a big bump. I seen something yellow go flying past uh, the window on the driver's side. And we looked, looked out the back window. And man, a box that came off the top of the car. And it was kits all over the freeway and stuff. And um, 
people were slowing down to look, and I guess some lady slowed down to look further up the freeway, and she caused a big rig to jackknife, and cars on the other side of the freeway were slowing down to look. It was, I, I believe, we thought it was another accident too on the other side of the freeway. <laughs> so, so there we are. It's eighty something degrees out there, and we're walking along um, the side of the freeway trying to pick some of that stuff up. And a lot of stuff got broken up and stuff, but luckily it wasn't one of his um, one of his containers that held his high end stuff. We was thankful for that. But to add insult to injury, we get all this stuff um, back in there. And we're driving down the highway, we're griping about it and stuff. When we get to the um, to the motel where we were staying, and they had this um, this low over, um, this I don't know what you call it, but oh, I think I know what you're talking so, about. Yeah, it's so you drive under it. So if it's raining, you don't have to get wet when you go to check in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To add insult to injury, we get there, and he drove on, tried to drive under the low end of it, and damn near knocked the whole rack off the top of the car. Oh, shoot. So <laughs> it was just one thing after the other, man. <laughs> and we running around town trying to uh, trying to find new tie-downs and this special wrench we needed to put the rack back up on top of the car. It was holding on by one clamp. Wow. And we took all the boxes off of it, and we're driving around trying to find the home depot and stuff. And we finally found one and uh, we fixed it right there in the parking lot. Cause I was afraid the whole damn thing was going to fall off. Yeah. No, yeah, I would be too, <laughs> especially with the wind and everything. And yeah. It's, man. it's just going up. That was an adventure, man. It sounds like a interesting journey. Get, it was getting up there up North. Yeah. It's a long, um, it's a long drive, but um, he had. We were in a car that he had a new car, and before we were going in that in the little Scion that he had, and it was a stick, and I couldn't figure out how to drive that thing, man. So he had to do most of the driving. And even um, one time we were on our way to um, was it Arizona? Yeah, we were on our way to Arizona to a show, and we were. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. We were like um we were like 30 minutes out of Arizona and, and the engine blew on the scar, man. Damn. The engine blew. It was like, oh man. So we we finished up the trip to the hotel with the car on the back of a tow truck. Uh-huh. How'd you guys get home? We had to find somebody to put a uh, new engine in the car. And we found we asked around and found this place. That um they had the kind of engines he needed because they that's all they messed with is those cars. Mm. And we went and picked one, and um we got some of the guys from uh, down the scale, uh, Willie Ramirez. They were there, and they drove us around to the places we need to go to find the engine. And then they took us to rent a car, and we ended up staying. Um, we ended up going to the show anyway. And ended up staying um, two, two or three days longer than we intended. Mm-hmm. 
and we stayed at the Holiday Inn, and they were just the nicest people. They didn't even make us pay for the room or nothing. Oh, damn. They hooked you guys up. Yeah, they did. But I was kind of skeptical driving all that way back home with that engine. And it wasn't a brand new engine. It was a used engine. Mm-hmm. You were just like, you know, seatbelt on, just kind of racing yourself the whole way home. Man, trying to tell you. And it was really uncomfortable, too, because that new engine, I guess, it well, not new, but that engine had to be broken into that car, I guess. And a long drive like that just wasn't uh, went in the cars for it, I guess. But it started acting okay because it was overheating, too. Oh, I hate when that happens. And, the, oh, man, we had so much trouble on that trip. We had two flat tires, <coughs> and he bought two new tires. We had to backtrack. Um, we had to backtrack up the freeway after we called AAA to get those tires. We had to go back in the other direction to get them. We got the tires, put them on the car, and... um. Um, one of the brand new tires went out on the car. So it was that was just a crazy trip, man. We had so much trouble. But that show, we really enjoyed that show, though. We really that's um that was the highlight we, right there. Yeah, I think that's the first time I met Jeffries. Oh, at that at that year when he was out there? Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. So it was a crazy trip, but we made it and we made it back home okay. That engine started finally kicked in and stopped overheating. We kept stopping and putting uh cooling in it. I guess the guy didn't um didn't purge the engine, you know, run fluid through the engine too, instead of just um running the fluid in through the radiator. Um yeah, you have to um you have to actually run that fluid through the engine so it you know it gets off to all the places it needs to be inside the engine mm-hmm. and i guess they didn't do that it was all dry mm-hmm. and we going down the highway it was about 105 degrees outside and we had to have the heater on to pull the heat away from the engine and <laughs> and the tire we we're on a flat tire uh-huh and Frankie was so tired, he's falling asleep at the wheel. So I'm like, oh, man, we going to die out here. <laughs> <laughs> and then the heat doesn't help. It makes you more sleepy. Man, we pulled over the rest. And with all that stuff on top of the car, those big rigs were passing by. And a big rig, rig passed by so close to us that the wind from it actually moved the car at least two feet over on the side of the road. I'm like, man, we got to get out of here. <laughs> I'm like, if this damn car don't kill us, these, these big rigs will kill us. <laughs> Dang. That's so crazy. that was and you guys were going and that's the you guys are the five freeway? Yes. Okay. That's a long road. All the yeah, going up. It's just like a straight one shot just going and there's nothing around for a good while. Yeah. I got scared when we got into those areas where there were no more rest stops. We we're up in, in that mountainous area. You know what it is. Mm-hmm. And there's no place to get nothing. You know, if if the car had broke down, we'd have been we'd have been screwed, bro. We'd have been screwed. Yeah. I, I remember uh 
one time coming down the five, uh, leaving, you know, up north, like San Jose area, coming home. Uh-huh. And I had taken um, one of those paint classes that was being uh, hosted by Armando Serrano and like Danny D up there. And yep, I, I was ha- about that. And I was hanging out with, uh, I took the class with Luis, um, LXC Models. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it, it was like the, the class ended, I think like around 4 p.m. or so. Mm-hmm. And I still wanted to hang out because everybody was going to hang out. You know, they were going to, I don't know if they were going to go out to eat. They were going to do something, you know, because it was like the last day of the class. And it was right. fun. But I had to go because I was like, <laughs> all right, I need, I need if I take off right now, I, I'll probably be home by midnight. It's going to be at least like five, six hours to get home. Yeah. And... And I take off and I and I shoot down the five and everything's going cool, but as soon as it it got dark, mm-hmm. you know, you know it was maybe like at the halfway point, um, I remember just driving, and I noticed that whatever cars were out there were mm-hmm. like driving super aggressively, and oh really? Yeah, because like the the lanes, you know, there's like the there's like like two lanes or whatever, and then. I don't know. It was weird. I, and I remember like this one car, I think he got pissed because I, I got in front of him and this dude was like, just like on me, dude, the whole way, like for a, for a good while. And wow. I must've been going maybe like 75, almost, almost 80. Uh-huh. And this cat was like right behind me, like on me. And then I was like, what the hell? All right, I'll slow down so he could pass me up or something. And he wouldn't do it. So wow. I, I slowed down to like maybe like 25 miles an hour. Like I just started going really slow, hoping, mm-hmm. hoping he'd ba- he wouldn't, dude. And I was like, all right, I don't know what this dude's deal is. So I just, I just started going the normal speed rate and, mm-hmm. um, and now he was still on me. And then, you know how you get to, there's like a McDonald's in, in one of the rest areas, like a, oh, yeah. right there. I was like, all right, should I just exit? Mm-hmm and see what's up you know i don't i don't know what's gonna happen you know i was like yeah. i was like like why is this <laughs> acting this way but i was like nah i'm just gonna keep going so i shot straight and then he 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 got out like he just exited and uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't see him anymore but i was just thinking like yeah i don't know it would have been one of those things good thing i didn't get off because then you know it would probably turn into something and i was i was just trying to get home yeah you know at that point i could care less like you know about anything i'm just trying to get home not trying to start nothing you know <laughs> yeah but, it's full out there just like that though man it was sketchy though at night i was like it's like pitch black and like you said those areas where there's nothing yeah i, I couldn't see nothing on the sides i was like you know and then there wasn't no cars in front of me for a long time so I was just like, I had my high beams on, you know, I'm just, yeah. I'm just trying to get through, trying to get home. Yeah. So, yeah. It was, that was my experience that I was like, ah, and I was by myself too. So I wasn't with anybody like driving home. Oh, man. So I was just like, all right, this is, this is weird right here. You know, yeah, you know, it don't take much to get some of them fools going. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, dang. Do you go to NNL uh, or try to go like every year? Yeah, we try to go every year. Um, COVID is is what slowed everything down for everybody, canceling shows and carrying on. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to go to um, how many years? We went to NNL East in New Jersey like three years in a row. 
Wow, that's dope. How, what's your uh, your take um, on that in your experience on the NNL East? Man, that is the biggest model show I had ever been to in my life. I had gone to a lot of model shows, and I thought NNL West was something. You can take NNL West and sit it inside of NNL East. <laughs> wow, damn. <clears throat> That's how big it was. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. It was like a, a gym or something. Part of It looked like part of a school because um, the display area was like a, um, a basketball court. And it was just table after table, row after row, from one end of that gym to the next. I have never seen so many model cars in one place in my life. And the um, the display area where, you, where they sold all the stuff was in another room. Man, this room was huge. I mean, like I said, you could take that NNL West and sit it just inside of that room where they were selling at and still have a, a gang of room. And not and that wasn't on even on the inside of um on the inside of the gym where the cars were being displayed at. Dang. That year so just much. about yeah, that year just about every resin maker was there. I got to meet Jimmy Flintstone. Um my man um Ron from uh RMR. And um of course that's where I met um Met Tapani from um, from uh, Air Tractor Resins, and um, it was funny, man. He sold out most of his stuff in the hotel before the show ever uh, started. The next day, because what they would do is everybody who has something for sale, or even not, you just want to meet some of the people you only talk to on uh, social media. Everybody would have their hotel room door open. And we walk through there and just meet people. And um, <clears throat> excuse me. I met my man Kevin from um from Missing Link Resins. I met um um Pedro from Page Resins. And me and him are uh, good buddies right now. He just retired from the business. But um it's funny, we were standing up in somebody's room looking at um looking at paints, pre-mixed paints. And some guy with an accent came in there and asked um, asked everybody, hey, you think anybody would interested in this car? And I looked at it, and I'm like, oh, man, that's just another boat tail Riviera because, you know, 71, 72 was out there. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, that's just another boat tail Riviera. And then Frankie takes the car out the guy's hands. He's like, oh, champ. I'm like, what? He's like, take a closer look at this, bro. And I looked at it. I'm like, oh, man, this is a 73 Riviera. Nobody ever seen those before. I'm like, man, what room are you in? <laughs> so um, everybody went running out of that room to this guy's room. <clears throat> and here's this guy, little, um, little round white guy. And um, this is your average kind of, you, you, um, are you familiar with Benny Hill? Uh, no, he was just this, this um real funny guy. He had a show on um 
on cable a long time ago, and this was what this guy reminded me of. All right, I just looked that dude up right like Benny. All right, I see it. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, on. Um, he kind of reminded me of him. Real nice guy, and um, he had these these big boxes, right? I'm like, man, I know it ain't no models in these big boxes. He's like, he's like, yeah, sure. He's like, have a look. He handed me this huge box. I'm going through this box and I'm asking him questions at the same time. He's like, I'm like, you got another one of these 73 Rivieras because Frankie had bought that one. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, sure, keep looking. So, man, I'm telling you, I pulled out a box and I opened that box up and I thought I was going to have a heart attack. Dang. When I pulled that model out of that box and seen that 76 Chrysler Cordoba, one of my holy grail cars, one that I thought I'd never put hands on, I almost lost consciousness. That, that's on the real. I almost lost consciousness. I couldn't believe what I was holding in my hand. I told him I didn't care how much it would cost, I was taking it. <laughs> yeah, this is coming home with me. <laughs> yep, I'm like, this is coming home with me, man. So I reached in the box again and pulled out another 73 Riviera. I'm like, put this one down for me too. And um he had um he had old BMWs, a, a Volkswagen Jetta. He had just these weird cars that you never seen in the model before. And um, if I hadn't been trying to save some of my money, I'd have bought all of those Cordobas. I sh- and I'm I'm still kicking myself for not buying two of those. Yeah, because, it's um, almost like just spend all your money right there, and then just kind of right. just uh, winging wing the rest of the show. <laughs> I don't want to yep. look at nothing to buy. Yep, but I knew all those uh, major hitters was going to be there too. Yeah, and um, I just. I'm kicking myself because the mold went bad on that uh, 70, what did I say, 76, 79 Cordova. And um, they're debating on whether they're going to redo that mold again. And I'm like, man, I knew I should have got two when I I had a chance. Man, and he brought these from overseas. Yeah, from, um, from Finland. And um, if I had known what I know now, <laughs> if I know we were going to become such close friends and that I would actually be working for him, I would have got another one of those Cordobas before that mold went bad. Mm. Yeah, dang. So they haven't been able, once it went bad, they haven't been able to recreate it? Right. So I told him, I'm like, um, I told him I would send my, my, um, the one that I built. I'm like, hey, you just say the word and I'll send that car. I'll take it apart and send it, send it all the way there for you to, um, to make a new mold of it. He's like, oh, we'll consider it. We'll consider it. But that's been three years now, I think, two or three years. <laughs> I was willing to send it back to him before I even. I ever built it. That's what took me so long to build it because um, when I heard the mold it went bad, I was just holding it over in case he I needed to send it back out there so he had something new to go by because I believe he told me it sold a master too. So if you don't have a master, that just makes it that much harder. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking up, uh, I just looked up a photo of one, a 76 Chrysler Cordoba. It looks nice, if it, man. If it has, um, if the headlights are stacked and square, mm -hmm. that's a 76. If the headlights are round, that's a, that's a 75, 76. Yeah, I, I, see, I see those squared ones. There's like one on top of the other. Yeah, I believe that's a 79 if I'm thinking right. And then I see another one with a round. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, each of those bodies house for two years, I believe. Man, and like, I mean, at at this time when these were out, I mean, you were you seeing these out, like around that time in '76, like the Cordobas on the street. Oh, the real cars. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. That, um, that's when, like, the that. Yeah. You know, that became, like, one of your favorites also? Yep. That happened when um, I was working for a Long Beach um, public transportation company driving buses. And this guy that would relieve me, um, you know, I drive so long, and then I get a relief driver, and then he takes over the bus, and I go back to the yard. Mm -hmm. He asked me, um, he's like, hey, he's like, hey, champ, would you mind taking my car back to the yard for me? I'm like, sure. I'm like, where is it? I look over to where he's pointing, and there's this big, beautiful, um, I don't even, it was kind of a rust-colored Cordoba sitting there. I'm like, man, that's your car? He's like, yeah. I'm like, man, I love that car. He's like, well, enjoy the drive. He tossed me the keys. <laughs> and you get inside, it has this corduroy interior. I'm like, man, it wasn't in, you You got to imagine back then it was, um, what was it? I graduated in 77, and this is a 70, 78, 79, and so the car was at least um, 10, 20 years old back then. And man, I enjoyed driving the car. I used to get look forward to getting off of work just to drive that car back to the yard. Yeah, damn. So, so the corduroy. I'm I'm looking at an interior. One of them. It's like a a blue color. Uh huh. And it looks really this this tone of blue looks really nice. Uh huh. And I'm zooming in, and yeah, I can see like that texture of like yeah. the corduroy. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, this is a, a nice blue. Like it's. It's not like too light and too dark. It's like somewhere uh -huh. in the in the middle, and then you can see the side panel on the interior. It's like yeah. a, another tone of like a blue that looks really nice. Yeah, you, you could tell this is like, like just something like you, you get into. It's like a time capsule. Like it takes you yep. back. And, yeah, and I could see on the side panel the that little uh, opening. I guess like if you were smoking in the back. Yeah. <laughs> to, to put your cigarette in. Yeah, the ashtray. The ashtray, yeah, there you go. Man, I forgot about those. They used to have those. Like, to, yeah. To open up. Cars don't have those no more. Yeah. Yeah, that's a trip. My truck has, um, has a cigarette lighter in it. It's a 2012 uh, Expedition. And they had a cigarette lighter in there. And um, they said that was the last year they put a cigarette lighter in, in that truck. Mm, damn, Some, something got passed, you know, they're like, we need to start taking those off. Yep. 
I'm like, man, why they put a um either there's an ashtray in there somewhere and I ain't discovered where it is yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've had the truck since um since 2013. I'm like, either there's an ashtray in here somewhere that I don't know where it is or how to pull it out or whatever, but I'm like, it's pretty stupid to put a cigarette lighter in here, not have an ashtray in, it, in the <laughs> truck. <laughs> I know my my dad back then had a like a blazer, uh-huh. um, and I remember I would always push it, and and um, and he, they would get mad because we'd be driving, and I would turn on the lighter. Oh yeah, and then because it would pop out, and then yep. I pull it and it's all red, and then they would get yep. mad because they thought I was gonna like get it and start hitting the seats. Yeah, just burning the seats or burning whatever, just because I was aware that that thing could generate fire through that. Man, that, those cigarette lighters got a lot hotter than they really needed to be to light a cigarette. Mm-hmm. Just insane. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. Man, um, d- have you uh, purchased uh, like a 3D printer? Are you getting into that? You know what's funny about that? It's funny you should ask that because my son just gave me his 3D printer. It's brand new. It's a filament. Um, it's a filament printer, not resin. And um, he bought it, and he took it out the box, and he put it mostly together. And he just lost interest. He's like, because I used to tease him about. It. I'm like, hey man, when you bringing our printer over? I'm like, you can um, you can bring it over here, and you can come over and use it anytime you want it, right? <laughs> and he's like, were you serious about wanting that um, that 3D printer? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you can have it. I'm like, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, you can have it. He's like, I'll bring it over this weekend. And sure enough, he brought it. So um, my friend Eric, um, he's he's kind of deep in the 3D printing. So um, he came over and um, he's like, don't worry about it, champ. He's like, I'll get you going. He took the directions home with him. He's like, I'm going to read over these directions. And he's like, when I come back, um, he's like, you can get your computer out and we, we'll hook it up and see what we can do. Because he brought it, he brought me like three rolls of filament too. So um, everybody was talking, oh, champ, you should have got a, a resin printer, a resin printer. I'm like, look, bro. I'm like, somebody, my son gave me this printer. I'm like, I wasn't even intending on buying one. I'm like, and he gave me this. So I'm like, I'm not gonna be choosy and say, "Hey, can you take this back and give me a resin?" With <laughs> hey, t- take it back, uh, return it, and then get the resin one, and then bring it over here. <laughs> it's like, you want to keep it itself. <laughs> I, I, so, so there's two different types, and there's resin, and then what's the other material that you mentioned? Filament. Filament. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, it comes on a roll. It's like um, virtually a roll of plastic. But um, some people consider it to be resin, um, just in a. Um, it's like a. Uh, it's like a plastic wire, and it comes on a roll. It has to be threaded, as far as I know, in order for the. Um, in order for the printer to heat it up and um, actually print something out from it. Oh, cool! Yeah, I. Uh, I'm still like wanting to get a printer. I just don't have the space. For it yet, but later. Yeah, that, that was my issue too. I don't 
have any place to put it. It's sitting in the living room right now on the floor beside one of my display cabinets. Uh-huh. And as um, soon as Eric finishes reading over the instruction, he said he's going to come over and we're going to see what we can do. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and, and, and in your room where, like your workspace, your bench, uh, mm-hmm. is is that in the same area where you airbrush um, or paint your cars or do you do that outside? Sometimes I, um, I'll paint in here and other times I'll paint outside. But mostly I do my painting in here because it has a ceiling fan and I have two big windows um, right here where my, where my little spray booth is. And when I get ready to paint, um, I'll go ahead and paint what I'm going to paint because it's really not a good idea to, um, to paint with the fan on. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll just open up the windows as soon as I paint, I'm done painting. Uh, the windows will already be open. So I'll just turn on the fan and, and let the fan blow through. Plus, I have my mask on and all of that. But yeah. um, as far as airbrushing, I um, I have an airbrush and a compressor. And I um, and I tried my hardest. I tried my level best for like two years to get the feel of airbrushing. And I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. Was it uh was it like a, a dual action airbrush that you were yeah. using? Yes. Did you ever, um, did you ever try the single action? <clears throat> yes, I tried those. Mm. Um, the single action was was e- a little bit easier to use because um trying to pull back on that thing just enough to limit the spray that comes out of it. That that was kind of hard to maneuver. Plus, the airbrush itself, the design on it, it just doesn't feel right in my hand. Yeah. I would be dropping it or almost dropping it, and then the um, if you want to um go from one color to another, the um you have to clean it. You have to run that stuff through it. I was never good at mixing stuff, so I would probably uh, mix mix an acrylic paint with a um with a lacquer and <laughs> screw <laughs> but uh, um i was never good at mixing stuff man i mean i never know how much to um of one to put in um in accord with the other mm-hmm. that's why um that's why i've never done any real resin casting because the resin has to be mixed in a certain um, no nah, i I'm, I'm just not good at that type of stuff but um i've been um I've been spraying with cans for the majority of my build time. I got hundreds of different colors of um of paint and different brands and, nice. and um, what what brand um do you like from the from the rattle cans? My use? favorite my favorite brand is um is Duplicolor. It it goes on really nicely. You have to struggle to make it run if if that was your endeavor, um, it always sprays out nice and evenly. And if it doesn't, you can always use a different spray cap. It's real. It's automotive paint <clears throat> um, intended to do touch-ups on real cars with. So, but that's my, that's my favorite. That's my favorite brand. And, and that one, uh, since it's, it's, it's intended for touch-ups, it dries pretty fast. Oh, yes. It dries really fast. That's another thing I like about it. 
and and uh for the as far as like the clear the, you're just using like the same brand well um their clear isn't that good um it's good for uh clearing stuff that that doesn't require a high gloss and i think they make it like that because um if you're doing a touch-up paint you don't want a high gloss over gloss that's been sitting out in the sun that's dulled a little bit you know so i guess that's why they make it the way they make it to kind of match up with whatever clear that's been sitting on your car for however long um i was using uh testers uh 1814 but um it's also it's made by um by rustoleum a lot of people don't know that it was made by Rustoleum. Um, all the testers paint is Rustoleum. Rustoleum owns testers. Damn, I didn't and, know that. That's cool. Yeah, come to find out that uh, Rustoleum and Krylon are the same company. And um, I just found out last year that Duplicolor is owned by Krylon too. Damn, they're buying everything. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, no wonder I was able to lady because I I'll experiment. I'll experiment with uh different brands of paint. Uh, on some cars I have like three or four different brands of paint on the car. Including the clear and the primer. And it all just so, goes together. Yeah, because they, it's all formulated by the same people. And um I um I was using the 1814 clear. But they're discontinuing it. So I'm like, damn, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I, um, I went to this um, this ceramic ceramic clear. I'm trying to see the can from here, but I can't. <coughs> I just used the ceramics. And um, people call it junk and everything. But I've laid down some pretty nice clear coats with this stuff. And this, um, it dries really fast. It polishes up really nice. But lately, I've been, um, I've been using um, Duplicolor came with this clear. Um, let me see what this is. It's called One K Clear. One K Clear. And um, I kind of messed up a couple of cars with it. Trying to learn how to use it. Um, it's a beautiful clear, but I've um, I've noticed some issues with it here lately. Um, I had um, and it's maybe it's because I didn't I didn't shake the cam well, but I sprayed some of it on it on an interior. <coughs> Excuse me, and um, I noticed this reddish hue to it. And I'm like, oh my God, what is this? And then, but the next, um, the next few times I sprayed out of it, it didn't happen. So I don't, I don't really know what's going on yet. And then I noticed that you really have to, when you spray it, you have to wrap that your spray around the inside of the car too, so it's all, all connected from the same spray, because it will, um, it will peel off. You know, if you peel it up with your finger, it'll peel off. Dang. And so, 
And and um, another question with like building. So like, what's kind of like, let's say when you have like a clear schedule, what's like your typical uh, like day like when it comes to building? Well, um, when I come in here, it depends on what I have on the table because I can have. Um, I've actually had up to twenty one cars going at one time. Twenty one. Yes. Wow. Mm -hmm. And um, what I would do is I work on these cars. I work on, like, say, this one today. And if I felt like it, I work on this one tomorrow and just on through the days like that. Mm -hmm. And then I look at the cars that I'm working on and see which one is coming the closest to being finished. And then that's the one I'll concentrate on. Because mm -hmm. yeah. if, it's, if it's already, if I got it already um, painted and clear coated and polished, then to me, the next step is um, metal trim. Because I'll have already set up the chassis for my set up the stance and everything. The uh, chassis will be painted and everything. So the next step for me would be the, um, the um, metal trim. And um, since I don't use bare metal foil, um, I don't have to uh, clear over um, the stuff that I use. So, so it, it just makes it go that much quicker once that car kind of steps out in front of the others that's being closest to being finished. Mm -hmm. And and are you building um, this process? Is it going down like in the morning or or in the evening? Um, mostly, um, mostly, I work from the um, from the evening from like like maybe um, from like. 2, 2.30, and sometimes I'm here in here to 2 in the morning. Wow, that's tight. It, de it depends on if I have to take my little girl to school or not. Mm -hmm. If not, I'll uh, I'll try to get to bed by 11 o'clock or something like that. But mostly from, um, I'd say from around the 2 o'clock hour to, to midnight. Yeah. Just working, and you never get tired at some point, where you go, man, I gotta, like, I'm gonna call it a night, or, or those nights where you want to build, but you're kind of like stuck, or, or not, not as motivated, but you just want to just maybe hang out on the bench. Yeah, I'll come in here and sit. Sometimes I come in and, and just listen to music and or watch TV. I got a video game here I play sometimes, and um, most of the time I when I don't really feel like building, I'll just come in here to, to maybe get some motivation to build. And then, yes, I take breaks because my hands will start hurting. Um, I think I got carpal tunnel in one hand and, or my eyes will start burning or something and I'll take a break. I'll um, lay back in my chair for a minute, put my feet up, watch a little TV or just close my eyes and, Especially if I'm um, if I'm coming to the end of a build and I want to finish it that night, I'll take breaks, um, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes is the longest I've taken, and then I'll go back to it. And if if it never happens and I don't feel like going back to it, I get up and go to bed. Then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've I've had these moments where, um. You know, through the day, I'll be thinking about, oh, all right, I can't wait till, you know, my daughter and everyone's like asleep. 
So now I have my, my time to go work on models. And once that time arises, it's like 9 p.m., you know, 10. And I go sit down and I'm just like, all right. I start kind of like pulling stuff out, seeing things. But it's just sometimes I just can't do it. I'm just like, man, I'm not even in the mood. It's already getting late. I feel, I don't know, for some reason, I just feel like it's late. Yeah. And and I'm just like, do I really want to get started sanding right now, make a mess, and then I have to clean all this up, you know, within 30 minutes or an hour and then go to bed? And, um... And then I'll just be kind of just chilling, you know? And yep. and lately it's happened where I'm just like, all right, I guess I didn't do anything. And then there's maybe like 30 more minutes left before I decide I'm going to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just like, right, whatever. I pull out whatever and I and I start working on it. Yep. And, and I feel satisfied after that. Even if it's just like a short moment, I'm like, all right, cool. I did a, some progress on this car. Mm-hmm. Put it away and then I'll go to sleep. <laughs> And, um, and then whenever, you know, I get like time, I'm like, all right, cool. Now that I was talking to, um, Casey slowly models, um, uh-huh. today and I was telling him, you know, now that my daughter started daycare, I feel like I'm going to have more freedom in the morning, at least an hour. I'm going to have a, like a window of an opportunity to, to paint. And mm-hmm. one of my setbacks for a lot of my builds, um, uh, is that. I don't really have the the time to paint as how I used to have all this time back then before, mm-hmm. before my daughter was born. So um, I always get it to the primer stages and I, I, I spend so much time on body work and all this stuff, get it to the primer stage. And a lot of times the models just kind of sit there or they'll get paint, but they never get cleared for a while. Yeah. And now I'm already planning out like, all right, my daughter drop her off at this time daycare and I still have like at least an hour of free time before I even start work. Uh-huh. And I'm already like, cool though. The weather, it's not so hot in the morning. I'll still be able to, to like paint something yeah. and, and just put it away once I'm done Yeah, and check up, check up on it later, like around noon, you know, or, or the next day that, all right, uh-huh. it's done. Now, now let's do the next thing. And so I'm, I'm feeling, I'm getting excited now. Like I'm about that. Just thinking about that, especially in the morning, waking up, I feel like that's probably where, where I'm most like energetic and excited to work on something. And, um, I always think back at like, you know, before I moved out, um, you know, from like my parents and all that, like I used to have all this time to work on stuff Uh and I, and then even when I would visit them, I still had like a, a designated area space in the like on the side of the house to paint stuff uh-huh. and my dad and my parents were never like hey you gotta get your stuff they were like you can leave it there you know when yeah. it, whenever you come you know if you want to work on something or leave it, it it's all good you know we're not using that space for anything right. and and i remember i just had everything in there all my stuff was in there you know uh and later once i started like, I was getting the airbrushing, and then I started buying, like, the, the bigger spray guns. Yeah. Because I was curious. Like, oh, I want to learn how to, you know, spray a larger item with flake and, and try all these things that you see on Instagram that people are doing. Right. And and I had the space there to do it. And then once, you know, everything came kind of to a to a halt, I was like, all right, I, I'm going to have to move or all this stuff has to go now. It has to, like, be put away and or 
give away paint and all these different things, you know, that I was mm -hmm. like, damn. And, um, you know how you were saying, you know, you had to move from like a room to the garage and to here and to there. It's, it's almost, uh, like I still have my bench set up in the room, but now like half the room is like my daughter's and the other half is like my bench and my, my girl's desk, with, uh, like her office, like space for uh -huh. work, for work. And, and I already know that pretty soon, you know, as she gets older, like my stuff's going to have to go, you know, mm -hmm. I'm going to have to wrap, wrap that up and maybe have like a mobile kind of toolbox to work on stuff. Yeah. Because she's going to want that space. And if I leave that, she's going to be curious. She's going to reach over and try to grab some like a, a oh, hobby cool. knife or something, you know? Yeah. That's going to freak me out right there. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so... I, you, hey, I, I, if anything, I might, the bench might have to move to the garage for a while. That's what I'm thinking, too. Yes, well, some place is better than no place, man. I know, right? I agree. It's going to finally decide to move out there, um, set up a space out in the garage when I, um, when I had a chance to, because um, once... I get what I call bill fever. I got to do something. You know, there's sometimes um, every once in a while I wake up in the morning and if I don't have any place to go or nothing to do, I'll, I'll come in here and do something. Something towards a model bill. It could be the simplest thing. But once I get that feeling, I have to come in here and do something if it's for no longer than an hour. Once I get that feeling, I have to do something. Mm -hmm. And I also get paint fever. I just feel like I need to paint something. Yeah, it's like it's very uh, satisfying to the eye. Yeah. And I'll, um, a lot of times I'll have a lot of um, pre-prep pre-prep models just laying around waiting to, if it's nothing but putting primer on it, I got to do something. And sometimes those models will already be primed. All I have to do is, is take it out the box, unwrap it, put it on the stand and paint it. And if I, if that takes um, five or 10 minutes and it comes out good, I'm good. You know, I can walk out of here and, and go on with the rest of my day. I'll be in here painting something at one and two o'clock in the morning. Man, that's what I want, man. Like, like right now, you know, like these nights, you know, I'm I'm by myself and stuff. Like, I could work on like the building, but I rather, I would much rather have that time to be like painting, because mm -hmm. I mi I miss it. You know, my my favorite thing is like seeing like when I'm clear coating. Mm -hmm. That's always because it it was always like a challenge in the beginning. Yeah. And then yeah. once I got it to a point where I was happy with the results mm -hmm. that I was getting, it just became a very satisfying thing to see um, either flake or even pearls like start to pop or metallics yeah. yep. like come to life. And I yep. was like, man, this is like, this is like very magical what I'm seeing right now to my eye. Yep. That's how I get when I, um, when, um, when I'm polishing a car up after it's cleared and to watch 
watch it get shinier and shinier with each uh, grade that I'm sanding with <clears throat> until it's at the point where I can see myself in it or the light reflects good from it. Mm-hmm. And then I'll take and rub some wax on it. And that just that just makes it even that much better. Yeah. Do you uh when when do you use uh, the sanding pads or, or or sandpaper when you're polishing it? Or are I you got, using uh, a drum like a Dremel? I have um I have a Dremel um polisher that's strictly for this. And that that uh, when I when I was using it it would make it make the polishing go a lot quicker. But I found it more satisfying to do it with the polishing claws I have and do it by hand. <clears throat> I can sit up and put some wax on it and and take that polisher and just polish it out in no time. You know, it'd be um just as um just as nice if I if if I had done it by hand. Mm-hmm. But man, it's sitting here collected dust now. I um I just enjoy um hand polishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah, I I I know what you mean by that. Um, when you're polishing and you start to see your reflection, mm-hmm. that's yeah, that's dope. I remember back then, like the first cars that I cleared, you know, I thought like, oh yeah, these are cool. You know, I like the way they look, but there was no reflection. There was a lot of orange peel on those, uh-huh. but I I wasn't aware until, you know, I started to look it up. And then I heard the word orange peel. And I was like, what, yeah. does, what does that even mean? You know? Right. And then once I saw it, I was like, oh. Yeah. And uh, I just had to dive in. Like, how do you get rid of orange peel? And all that. And, um, you know, it wasn't until later when somebody was like, you know, I think you need to use a better clear. Or or maybe try, like, House of Color. That's when all that stuff started to kind of get introduced. Uh huh. I was like, oh, all right, all right, cool. Because I I did burn through the other clears when I would either polish it or like sand it. Uh huh. I would burn right through, and I'm like, oh damn, I'm already hitting the paint. Yeah. It just it I'm... just looks really weird. I remember using like the that Tamiya that that gloss clear. I think it's the yeah. TS13, and um, mm-hmm. I I don't remember how many coats. It must have not been a thick coat, but it was. I know I burned through that pretty easy. Yeah, the Tamiya clears uh, run kind of thin. So you either have to build up coats on it or just be extra careful when you're sanding it. I never liked it as a clear. I liked the 1814 because um, it used to come out in a nice spray, but it would be it will lay down thick enough so you don't have to worry about um, like you said, burning through it. Now, that that largely depends on the car, too, because you know paint is thinner. It's always thinner on edges of the car, like around the fender wheel, where the side of the fender comes up to the um, to the hood or mm-hmm. to the top part of the car. Paint is always thinner there. So that's where you're going to burn through your paint in those areas. So so let's say, like, if I was using, um, like a, like, a Dremel, or or even the, just even just the sanding pads, just kind of focus on like those bigger kind of like flatter areas and then avoid avoid those smaller areas. Yes, you have to avoid the edges because those are where the paint is the thinnest and they'll wear off the quickest. Mm, yeah, 
That makes sense. Um, I um, I found that um, when you lay, when I lay my primer, and I sand, I sand the primer too. I wet sand the primer, and then um, of course let it dry, and then I go over that with paint, and then I wet sand the paint. Um, coat for coat. The better you prepare the surface, the better it's going to finish. I haven't seen orange peel in I don't know when. Mm-hmm. The, um, the the primer, when, when you wet sand it, at what, what grits, like that final grit before you lay paint? Well, I usually start if, if, if there's no um, you know how you get fish eyes and um, dimples sometimes? Mm-hmm. If it's nothing like that, and I got a nice smooth primer, <clears throat> I'll take some. Um, I'll take some six thousand, and just give give the primer um, a light key. And if I'm not having to repair anything, then that's all it needs. You know, you don't need no hard sanding on it. And in fact, um, you don't really even need the water. And what I found here lately is. Well, not so lately, but um, I don't even have to use any kind of sanding material on the surface of the car. I just take a piece of paper towel and just rub the car with that. And you, if you, um, if you um, rub it long enough, you'll actually see that the paper towel is actually creating a, um, a gloss. Mm. So I, I'll just take an... Um, and wipe it down with um, with a piece of dry um, paper towel, and and that that really smooths out the surface nice. And then I'll um, I'll take another piece and wipe it down, or if I um, if I feel like it needs it, I'll go and rinse the whole body off. <coughs> Excuse me, and dry it where I can. And then let it sit until the rest of it dry. Or if I'm really in a pinch and I want to paint it right now, I'll take a um a, a hair a, a hair dryer and just go over to make sure all um all the water's dried up off of it. And then I just paint it right away. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like the better you prepare your surface, the better it's gonna come out in the end. Yeah. Always after I paint my cars, if I'm not going to clear coat them right away, I put them inside of a plastic bag and seal the plastic bag on it so nothing can get on it. Mm-hmm. I might, you never know. I might take out a um, a resin car and start sanding and grinding and fixing something on that. And those little particles, you'd be surprised at how far they fly. <laughs> no, they, they do. You know? mm-hmm. And if it gets on the surface of that car, and you spray paint on it's gonna have a reaction. Yeah. I I still remember clear clear coating a car uh-huh. and just kind of <coughs> letting it sit out for a day. And mm-hmm. you know, like a clear coat, I, I, I closed the room and mm-hmm. I was like, I'll come back tomorrow. You know, <laughs> give it twenty four hours, whatever. And then I come back and I was like looking, I was like, All right, cool. I'm not gonna touch it, but it looks it looks cool. So then I was like Oh yeah, I got a primer of this other body. So I, mm-hmm. I grabbed the rattle can of primer and I was standing by the door 
um, and just I started spraying the body. And normally the like the fumes of the overspray always would like leave the room and go up. Right. And I'm like, and this was like at like at night, so I could see it as I'm spraying because the lights behind me, uh-huh. but in front of me it's like like everything is just dark outside. But I could, yeah. see, but I could see the smoke like leaving, you know, like the overspray. Yeah. And I'm like, mm-hmm. cool, I'm done uh, primary in this car. And then I come back in and I put the car away. And then I go back and I look at the clear car, and it, uh-huh. it had like this like fog, <laughs> like over oh, yeah. over the clear. And it was yeah. it was pretty much the overspray. Some of it, mm-hmm. some of it still lingered in the room. And oh it, yeah. And it attracted, <laughs> and it stuck on there. Yep. And I was like, oh, sh- why would I do that? You know? <laughs> and I, I had to uh, pretty much, you know, just wait for it to re- dry. And then I had to like wet sand the whole thing. Yeah. To get that layer off. That's why I'll, um, I have to set up my room when I'm clear coating and painting. And what I do is I'll take those old, um, remember the plastic display cases? I take those. I got some old ones around here, and I set them up on the table. And once I clear coat my car, I put it under that, and I'll have like, I have like five or six cars that I clear coated sitting under these um, under those clear cases, mm-hmm. and I leave them up under there until the um, <coughs> excuse me, until the uh, clear hardens. Yeah, because once it hardens, dust can get on it, and you just wipe it off. But if it's still um, even tacky or damp, any dust is gonna stick to it. Yeah, I, I've had problems too where I'll be, um, you know, it's, like you said, it's at that point where it's kind of tacky, mm-hmm. and then I don't know what it is, man. But once in a while, there's always like this little, like, like a little tiny little like fly, like a little bug. Oh yeah, that lands on it. And I'm like, oh, there's just, at this point, it's just, I guess it's just going to be part of the car for a while (laughs) (laughs) until I sand it down and then re-clear the whole thing. But I'm like, man, because I remember one time trying to use tweezers to pick it out. Yeah. But I remember being like a bit shaky and just kind of stabbing the clear. Yep. And when I pulled it out, it kind of left like a little spike of like clear mm-hmm. like a little point and I was like damn like I don't know everything was looking good until that happened or or even just like a, a, a piece of lint um, mm-hmm. <laughs> lands on it I remember uh, one of my friends one time he came over to visit at the house and we were celebrating my sister's birthday and I was like oh dude like now that you're here uh, would you be down to um I need a clear coat of car, but would you be down to film me like doing it uh-huh. And he, with my phone? He's like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. So I'm over here wearing like a button up long sleeve shirt <laughs> and <laughs> like, a, and I'm over here like wearing gloves and, and spraying. Uh-huh. And it wasn't until later when I rewatched that video, I was going like, dude, like you should never wear one of those shirts. It has so much like lint and just stuff stuck to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is just gonna and you have I had the in the little spray booth with the fan on for uh-huh. sure all that stuff's just gonna be pulling in there yeah and 
And it's it's a trip because it also kind of generates like static in there. Oh yeah, yeah, it'll draw lint to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, "What was I thinking?" You know, and um, I I still have I'm gonna have to send it to you. I still have it on YouTube that video. Uh huh. And um, I'm just like, "What the hell?" I'm over here trying to, you know, ha- handle business, I guess, while I'm at a, my sister's birthday party. And then yeah. when we're done, and I'm like, all right, let's go back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. But I miss it, though. I, I miss uh, clear coding. But soon. I mean, now I, I feel like it's going to it's gonna happen pretty soon. Uh-huh. You know, getting to uh, to work on stuff. I'm, I'm always looking at, at my airbrushes and just di- different things. I still use, uh, like, Tamiya Rattle Can for primer. Uh-huh. And uh and then I also use the Mr. Hobby the fifteen hundred, the the black color as well uh-huh. for um for primer. And then p- paints I'm using splash, uh, airbrush splash, and they have uh-huh. a really good the two K clear for uh-huh. uh, for clear coat as well f- for airbrush. That's uh-huh. that's nice. But um back then I had a good run with like House of Color, but it, it's just been a while. I haven't used any. Yeah, if if I do, I gotta like pretty much just rebuy, because I don't I don't have any any house of color anymore. Oh okay. Yeah, I just don't have the space like to have like a a quart of clear and all that. Oh yeah. Right now I'm like nah, <clears throat> later I'll get that stuff later. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when the time comes, it'll come back around. Yeah, the good thing is those products are still available. So that that's always dope. Oh yeah, yeah. Looks like they'll be around for a minute. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nah, yeah, they will. Well, hey, David, this this was awesome. It was great having you on. Um, is there any any words you want to say before we wrap up this episode? Oh man, um, or, or shout outs. Oh, most definitely. Um, I want to. Uh, I give shout outs to my homie Tone. We help each other out when 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 we need each other parts or whatever. And my new homie Eric DeGray, <clears throat> he's been a real asset and a real help to me. And we've only known each other for a short time now. And um there's so many people I I can't just sit up here and name a whole bunch of people. Um, but um, the people who would hear this know who they are and how they helped me along in this hobby. It's not something that you can really just do by yourself. I mean, you can, but it's a whole lot easier when you got other people that have the same interests as you to help you along. So um, that's really to be one of the main keys of model building, you know, having other people to to get information from ideas and to also give them the same back. So it's a nice little circle of the way I look at it. And this is my first podcast. So <laughs> it's, it's just another aspect of the hobby to me. That's going to help me along, you know? Yeah. Well, that's that's dope. Yeah. Nice, this has nice. been fun. 
<laughs> yeah, no, this was dope. This was this definitely was fun, and uh, yeah. you know, I hope we do another one in the future as well. Oh, yeah. that'd be cool. Yeah, and um, there's a lot of things that that's happened in this hobby since I started back again that we didn't even touch on here. So no, yeah, you gotta <laughs> you gotta leave it on a cliffhanger. So yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely, we'll we'll do another one in the future. And you know that it, it was great. I mean, uh, thank you for taking the time, and and you know being a part of this because you know I uh, I just love sharing the stories and and listening too, to to a lot of yeah. stuff you know because it, it, each one of us has like different experiences, with, exactly with modeling and stuff, and it, it's always like exciting to hear. But I know for sure some listeners out there are gonna relate to a lot of things that you were saying too. You know. Um, yeah so that's that's awesome right there and um yeah. for for everyone that's listening um if you guys want to check out uh david's work um he's on instagram uh at deluxe model body works i'm also going to tag him too so you guys will uh be able to if you see the link there you know go directly to his instagram see his works and see some of the stuff we we're talking about as well on there yep yeah, so this was episode number 183 with David Champion. Thank you again, and you have a good night. All right, sir. I appreciate you. Likewise. Take care. All right, you too. Thank you. Bye. Bye.